Alright you guys, welcome back to episode 6 of Little Man Big Conversations. I'm of course Little Man, Little James, aka The Flashman, welcoming you back to another episode. Straight off the bat, I gotta address what happened last week. Hell, you know sometimes when you're doing something on a computer and it just doesn't want to work. Yeah? I was having one of those days. No matter what I did, no matter what button I pressed, no matter what option I chose, no matter how I tried to save this file, didn't want to work. So, it became late. The episode was late and I thought, well, I can't upload it late and make the excuse of saying, oh yeah, really sorry it's late. Oh, here it is anyway, because how many times, let's be real here, let's break it down, let's have a heart to heart. Get closer. Get, 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 get closer, closer. Uh, it's too close. How many times have you read that online and gone, lazy? Right? I don't want to give off that vibe, okay? So, here it is. Week off. Not a week late, a week off. Needed to, uh, needed to work on the file anyway. But you guys have been real great. You guys have been real supportive. And making sure this episode gets out to you guys. Because I wanted to make sure that this was something that you guys wanted. You guys messaged. You guys wrote in. You guys responded to the poll. To the post that I pulled out asking you guys what you wanted to see. Man, 58 to 42% of you guys voted for a story. That's awesome. 58%. You guys are insane. This is so cool. I'm glad you guys are liking it. You guys are enjoying the content I'm putting out. When I read that there was a 58%, two things went in my mind. One, awesome. I guess you guys like hearing my stories. That's pretty cool. And two, what the hell's wrong with my interviews? <laughs> now I'm only playing. You want to break from the interviews? That's okay. I appreciate you guys listening into the interviews I've done. Don't worry. If you guys have seen the trailer that's on the page, it's on the Instagram, it's on the Twitter, it's on the Facebook at LMBC Podcast and on Twitter at LMBC underscore podcast. You go on there, you will see a trailer of all the upcoming guests thus far. But don't worry. There's been plenty more recorded since that video has been out. Like I said, there would be. So don't fret if you're looking through that list and you're going, nah, I don't really know any of these people. Or, yeah, I can't wait till that guy gets on there. Or, hey, how come this person's not on there? Don't worry. Those are just the ones that are coming out soon. There are still plenty more to come. So I appreciate you guys listening to the interviews thus far. I hope you're getting something out of it. I hope they're engaging and hope you guys are enjoying them. Should be number one. I hope you guys are enjoying them. But today's episode, I'm going to do a hybrid. You guys want a story? You're going to get a story, but you're also going to get a Q&A because the day after I put out that poll asking whether you guys wanted a story and interview, I did another one. I said, I think we should bring back the Q&As. I'm used to do these Q&As a lot. Haven't done one in a while. You guys absolutely knocked it out of the ballpark. You sent in some very hard-hitting questions, very diverse range. I'll be real with you. I thought I was going to get trolled. I thought I was going to get questions like, what's your favorite crayon? What? Uh, do you like hot or cold noodles? Excuse me? <laughs> right? Just strange questions. But I didn't. Very happy you guys actually wrote in some, um, yeah, very insightful questions. So I'll be getting to those questions later on in this episode. But first, the story. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story today of how I got into the 80s music, right? How the 80s basically changed my perception and my way of life. Because, yeah, once I started dressing the way that I dress, which I'll get into in a second, uh, everything kind of changed for me. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, about when I was... Uh, 16 or so. Mm. No, let's 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 edit this here because I'm gonna try and come up with something. So let's start. Probably until about my early twenties, I was dressing mm, let's say not the way I should be dressing. Now most early 
20-year-olds have a rough idea of their style worked out, right? Me? No. Uh, I was getting strange looks at the time because I'm four foot ten and I'm out there wearing baggy and I'm out there wearing baggy wrapper jeans, baggy jerseys, beanies, hoodies, just stuff that looks like let's say you're putting an XL on a ten year old. It's just baggy, there's just fabric everywhere, there are rolls looking like there shouldn't be roll. It's not a good look for someone that's four foot ten, okay? It just looks like it looks like I was melting. Alright? That's the best way I could describe it. It looks like I was just a hot candle that's just got dried up wax on him. Okay, everyone knows that image, yeah? Yeah, that's what happened to me wearing regular day clothes. So I had no sense of style. And I remember first being exposed to my favorite band of all time. For those of you out there that know me, you're about to know it. For those of you that don't, here you go. My favorite band of all time, Motley Crue. The first time I ever heard their music, not the way you'd expect it to be. I heard their music in the soundtrack for a game called Gran Turismo 3, which is a real driving simulator. Real brakes, real speed, real handling, all that stuff. Uh, they were featured on the soundtrack. The most, arguably the most famous song, Kickstart My Heart, was right there. Man, that song pumped me up. I thought, yes, yeah, it's sick. You know, what a rad song. But never really followed up with it. I was really into Slipknot, really into Linkin Park, really into sort of my alternate metal or alternate rock, if you will, at that time. Fun fact, slight swerve, still talking about fashion. My first ever concert was Slipknot. Now, for those of you out there who have been to a metal gig, you know pretty much black is best, yeah? Black clothes, band shirts, dark clothing. You're going to get roughed up in the pit. You're going to, it's going to be, if it's raining, it's going to be a muddy motion time, yeah? So black clothes is usually best. What did I wear? Nope, didn't wear black clothes. I'll tell you what I wore, and I stood out. Not only did I stand out for my height, but man... What I wore was like putting one of those big electronic Las Vegas arrows, zzz, zzz, one of those <laughs> one of those arrows right on me, because I decided to wear a gigantic white champion jumper, baggy blue jeans, and black and white boots at a Slipknot concert. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun time. That was a great time. I got a lot of uh, friendly stares, a lot of frowning and WTF kind of looks. But uh, hey, made the most of it, had some fun. Uh, I think I got to sit on my friend's shoulders at one point, uh, and it was, a, it was a great time. It was a great concert, and I absolutely loved it. But that was my first ever concert. Again, no sense of style. So yeah, there I am rocking a white champion jumper, baggy blue jeans, in the middle of a mosh pit. No, not fun. But it wasn't until uh, probably, yeah, my early 20s where I discovered and got back into uh, 80s rock and roll. Now, I'd always heard of Kiss and Guns N' Roses were on the radio pretty much every day, and there were some Iron Maiden songs, very similar to Motley Crue that I'd picked up through playing video games as a kid and things like that. But I never fully got into it until my early 20s. And it all stemmed from rediscovering a band called In Excess. Um... If you the, the you don't if you don't know the band, I really recommend giving them a listen, googling them. I N X S I N X S is how you spell it. Uh, trust me, once you listen to a few of their songs, they're the kind of band that you play their songs and two things will two reactions one or two reactions you'll get you'll go, oh yeah I've heard this song before or oh, I didn't know this was them. Yeah, that's the reactions I always get when I play people in excess. So it started from that, and then I went and listened to, I went, oh, you went into that band I was into, went into that band uh, Motley Crue. So I chucked a few of their records on. Man, I was hooked. I was coming through a time when I was leaving one of my first serious relationships, one of my first serious relationships had ended, and I went and got a tattoo, 
and I decided to, you know, like all relationships, you want to change yourself afterwards, right? You want to get back into doing things you love. You want to change up how you live. You want to buy new things. You want to see new people. You want to try new avenues, whatever. It's, it was that kind of vibe. I'm sure you know what I'm speaking about when I say, when I say try new things. So it was that. It was I wanted new music. Um, Slipknot wasn't covering the emotions I was feeling at that time. Linkin Park, although I fell deeply in love with their Meteor album, that album really helped me through high school. But that was in my early 20s now. I was doing the university thing. I was trying to still find my identity at this point. And yeah, it was the, discovering the Red, White & Crew album. Um, that was kind of like their greatest hits, I believe, at the time. Uh, chucking that on, hearing all, you know, these absolute bangers that the crew have put out throughout the years and just realizing there was just albums and upon hours of these absolute songs that were just resonating with me. Every lyric, every chord, every word, every statement that they made in those songs at that point in my life was just... You know, it was just a remedy. It was like a drug. Everything that I needed was coming through the airwaves, was coming out from these tracks that these guys had recorded, you know, 82, 84, 86, 88, 87, you know, all mid-80s. Uh, these guys had been pumping out these records, and here I was discovering them. Um, and, for, you know, eons later. But, yeah, that, that opened the door to... 80s rock and roll, glam metal, if you will. It wasn't until, I think, uh, about 2000 and, man, even maybe 2014, 2015, where I really started to experiment with 80s fashion. And I didn't have the guidance of anyone else. I didn't have, like, a rock and roll friend or the rock and roll friends and music friends and artists and producers and roadies and things like that that I've managed to obtain and maintain now. Um, so back then it was just literally guesstimating what worked and what didn't. Now I knew that wearing baggy clothes at this stage was out. This was, it was just, no, this wasn't working. So I decided on a whim that I'd always enjoyed going to 80s parties, you know, 80s themed parties, you know, dress as your favorite 80s icon or dress up as a rock and roll star or something from the 80s, like a gymnast or, you know, there's always like a gymnast, there's a bogan or there's a rock and roll person, right? That's usually the top three outfits for an 80s party, yeah? So I'd always enjoyed 80s parties and I thought, I really like the look of this Motley Crue guys. What if I was to wear that? And I just started experimenting. I bought stuff from a shop called Off Your Tree. I bought bandanas, necklaces, accessories, wallet chains, uh, pant chains, scarves from like City Beach, and which is like a surfing shop. Um, I think I went and bought uh, scarves and accessories from like JJ's. Anything that wasn't considered normal in the sense of like the style and the look, um, I wanted to try. Because at that point, I was really over the looks and the gawks and the comments I was getting in public for just dressing normally at that time. And I'm not talking the baggy pants stuff either. I would dress, you know, in proper, proper jeans that would fit, dress shirts, you know, look in your Sunday best. And society just isn't a friend of my frame. They, there are times when I'll be in public and people will look at me and then look at the person they're with and then the person they're with will peek over that person's shoulder and look down at me and then <laughs> be whispering things like that. I mean, it's nothing. You know, it's, it's nothing. I don't understand why that's a thing. It's just a waste of people's time and energy. And I used to shoot in the shooting straight from the hip here, I used to get really angry about it because I wasn't okay with me. 
I wasn't okay with who I was and where my life was at that point. Um, so I was angry at the world. And if the world created scenarios and situations, ego to society making comments and, you know, hiding behind their food and doing the whole, you know, looking around the room to find me and then looking at me and then, you know, scoffing and laughing and things like that. I was mad at the world and I aimed it at those people because I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, quite literally. And although I had said in previous episodes when I was about 18, I sat down the grass, looked up at the sky and I accepted who and what I was. It was only a couple of years later and it, you know, during university and during that time of my relationship ending that I really began to second guess myself again. And for no other reason than I just felt like society, you know, the safety net of school was gone. The safety net of university was gone. The safety net of having a relationship and having that someone to confide in that didn't really care about anything more than you just being the person that that was over. So I was really just in that mindset of being, where, where do I go? What happens now? Who am I? Because what I'm doing right now isn't accepted and I'm not doing anything to not be accepted. I'm being me. So what do I do? And I got mad. I got mad at the world for it. And it wasn't the world's fault, but that's how I was. So I decided that I wanted to dress as Motley Crue. Originally. Nowadays, I've customized it and done things accordingly to pay tribute to them, but still have my own sense of style and flair. Uh, I'm a massive, I'm a massive, massive jacket and, and cowboy boot connoisseur. Any boot, really. I'm a massive boot and jacket connoisseur. I love my jackets, love my boots. But um, yeah, back then I'm wearing, you know, red and gold sneakers with baggy pants and, and stuff that just wasn't working. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go dress like this band that I enjoy. And I decided to just experiment. You know, I bought really um, cheap cowboy looking boots. Um, I had black pants that I had originally worn for like a cosplay. Um, I had scarves and accessories and chains and rings that I'd collected over the years. Bought all the stuff from City Beach and JJ's and things that I mentioned earlier. And I just started to wear it. And I'll admit the first time I wore it out there, I got a lot of people going, oh, you're going to a party or you come from a party or you're going somewhere, some dress up thing. And a lot of time when I would say, no, I'd get the confused look. But it was the first time that I'd experienced that confused look, and but it wasn't done in a mocking way. Because I was already getting the confused looks from wearing the baggy pants and just being myself in everyday life. So I knew I was onto something when I was getting looks of just sort of like, oh, well, Okay, so it wasn't from a place of, you know, people being condescending. It was now coming from a place of intrigue. Like, where is this guy going? He's dressed like this. He must be going somewhere. And people don't dress like this normally. And I like that. I, I like creating intrigue. I, I like that that vibe was happening for me. I like that this was a new reaction I was getting. And I felt comfortable. I had a friend ask me, only about a year or so ago, the very similar question that, you know, was been asked earlier, which is why I'm telling this tale. Why do you wear what you wear? And my answer to him was, I wear what I wear because people will stare at me no matter what I do. And if I'm wearing this, now I'm giving a reason. Now I'm giving, now I'm just giving them a reason to stare at me because there's nothing wrong with me. The reason they're looking at me now is because I'm wearing different clothes. Originally, they were staring at me because of me as a person. See, there's a difference. Because now this uniform, this attire that I love and have made my own, isn't done in a way to show off. It's a way to pay tribute to an era that has helped me. And it's done in a way that I feel comfortable. And if people in society look at me, and don't understand it and don't get it, then they're not understanding the clothes. It, it overwrites me as a person. They're going, oh, why is that dude wearing, you know, scarves and bandanas and chains and rings and cowboy boots and leather pants and, you know, and leather jackets and things like that. Like, what, where's he off to? What's going on here? 
Oh, it must be some party. No? Oh, okay. Well, why are you dressed like that? What's going on? What are you up to later? You know, things like that. See, it's more fun. It's more engaging that way because now people are interested. And they'll stare because they're interested. So in, in this scenario, I win because now you get someone to stare at because there's nothing wrong with me. So that's how it all sort of began, just through experimentation. And ever since then, it's just been chopping and changing and finding things that work. And the beauty of it being is now that this time, there are many stores and fashion labels that have conned on to the fact that, yeah, this 80s era is massive, not only in music, but in clothing. You know, they always say that fashion comes around, that it, it, it always, you know, what was what's old is new again. And the 80s fashion is, over time, has always crept back in in some way, shape or form. So there are a lot of times now where I'll be very lucky and I'll find clothes that are left on the rack because they're a small size and they won't fit anyone else. And they're completely derived from the 80s. So I'm like, yoink, that works for me. That's perfect. So yeah, that's how it all sort of originated from. And I'll save it for another day. But once the fashion came into it and once I had started to absorb the 80s mentality and using it as my crutch because I was so mad at society and life at that point, that's when the very best and the very worst, the, and that's when the very best and the very worst of the 80s started to affect my life. But I will save that for another day, because right now, <laughs> i got to give you a teaser, man. I can't all do it at once. <laughs> We're going to go into the Q&A portion of this episode. So again, I thank you guys for hitting it up on the social medias at LMBC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at LMBC underscore podcast. So right now, let's get into this Q&A. All right, first things first. This is the first question. First cab off the rank. What is the dumbest way you've been injured? Okay, so let's talk about this for a second because I don't want to make it specifically about the wrestling because wrestling, I've done some silly injuries, but none of them are really dumb. Like you kind of go into the situation and you know, okay, this is probably going to hurt because again, it's this environment where your body is not by default, used to being a part of. But I think the dumbest way that I can remember hurting myself... Oh, perfect story. Okay. Dumbest way I've ever hurt myself. So when I was a kid, um, there was this game uh, called Street Fighter. And it's obviously still a very popular game today. But at the time, it was massive. And I'm talking like the mid-90s. And... There was a section in Street Fighter which was dedicated to, I think, destroying a car. It was it was kind of like Mortal Kombat's version where, of Test Your Might, where you could beat up something and, and you, you could destroy it. And if you did it in time or did it in a certain level or mash the buttons hard enough, you'd get extra coins or points or something. Street, Street Fighter had a variation of that where basically you had to button mash and combo your way into destroying a car. And if you did, you got bonus points, whatever. Um, so... Me and my friend were in the car park, bear with me, and we decided to practice doing spin kicks. And the reason that we tried to do this was, as I said, we had been practicing on the little Street Fighter game and doing the combos and things like that. So I thought, yeah, I can do a spin kick, not a problem. Spin kick is super, super easy. I can, I can do that. It's, it's fine. <clears throat> I did a spin kick. My shoelace was untied. I spun around. I landed. I tripped over my shoelace and I smashed my face into the car park concrete floor. My friend's mum, who went up to the shops to quite literally grab like snacks, a two-minute 
<laughs> two-minute shopping trip and left us for two minutes and come back and there was me sitting on the floor with my mouth absolutely just bleeding profusely. Thankfully, uh, nothing fell out. I don't think anything was very broken. I think it was just a lot of tooth and gum movement causing the bleeds. Um, yeah, that was probably, mm, I would say pretty dumb. Uh, maybe the dumbest. The second one, okay, this actually might be the dumbest. That was pretty stupid, but this might be actually just dumb. Like, are you serious? Okay, so when I was 13, I lived in a unit complex and the unit complex had, um, had, what's it called? A communal pool area. It was, it was enclosed and it had like a spa and a sauna and stuff. Sounds classy, but the, the amounts of units that were there, that that thing was packed and it was, you know, it was just, yeah, you can imagine what a communal pool. I mean, you guys have been to units and hotels and things like that. Yeah. Imagine that. Okay. <laughs> it sounds lush. Uh-uh. So yeah, we're there and it was me and my two of my friends and we decided to do bombs, you know, cannonballs, bombs into the pool. And I think it was me that came up with the idea of, hey, let's see how, let's see how close people can get their knee to their face. Why? <laughs> why, why would that be a game? That's such a stupid game. Anyway, guess who lost? Me. So I ended up um, smashing my knee into my face, knocking out this tooth and I remember in midair going, like having the head recoil and hitting the water and going, uh, okay, yeah, that felt really a bit too close. And I remember putting my hand in my mouth to check my tooth, you know, check that I was bleeding, check everything. And I remember being so scared when I did that and it went, I just, there was just this gap. There was just this absolute gap in between my face and I thought, no way. And I was so paranoid, like I thought I'd maybe I was asleep, maybe something was going wrong. Yeah, no, that was um, that was me kicking my, well, kneeing my tooth out of my uh, out of my face. That was what was happening at that time. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that at all. I uh, I feel pretty embarrassed by that, um, and the fact that it happened, the fact that I was able to do that at such a young age was so stupid. Um, but hey, it's, uh, you live and learn, right? Um, it's one of those really stupid things, but that was probably the dumbest way that I could remember. Um, yeah, I could remember injuring myself, um, non-wrestling related. Uh, coolest moment while Cole's playing. Um, I think the coolest moment I had while doing cosplay, this was going back a couple of years ago, was when I met Vern Troyer, Mini-Me. And he had always been such an influence on me, not only as an actor, but as a person coming from purely a, a size uh, perspective background, to know that he would be coming all this way to Supernova. I just knew. I was like, I have to meet this guy. Um, this guy is super, super influential to me. And knowing that um, it's um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a convention, you, you, arguably nine times out of ten you're going to be in costume. You, sometimes people go get changed, they get changed in the car park, they come back up, whatever. But this for me was crazy because... Yeah, he, it, it was, it, it was, I was just really nervous. I, I was just really nervous at the fact that I got to meet him. But the cool part was that I went in arguably my most famous cosplay, which is my Scarecrow costume. And my Scarecrow costume, I think to this day, will still get recognized. Like if I was to bust it out at a convention tomorrow, um, people would know it was me and not from a height or a, a, a size or a frame perspective. They would just know, oh, yep, that's Flash the Scarecrow, which is great, which is really nice that people 
number one, attribute that costume to me, and number two, are excited when I wear that costume. Um, <laughs> sorry, lights just came on in my house. Um, so yeah, that I wore that costume to, to meet Vern Troy, Mini Me, and it was insane because I walked in and I obviously had my helmet off because I didn't want to be rude, and I still have the photo of it. I've got panda eye makeup, and um, yeah, I was just chatting to him, and it was a really personal, um, kind of an intimate moment where we made out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to make sure you're listening. Um, yeah, so we, we, we had a little moment there. I thanked him for all, for influencing me, for, for doing all that he does. And he then says to me, hey, are you are you sticking around the convention? And I said, yeah, I was, I, I'm with a um, charity free uh, – sorry, um, non-for-profit non organization doing charity work here today. We, we've got a booth and we're raising money for charities. Yeah, I'll, I'll be here all weekend. And he said to me, oh, cool, man. Um, how about later on you, you come you come by my stand? What? Yeah, yeah, just come by my stand. You know, just come, come, come and hang out. Okay, sure thing. Vern Troyer of Austin Powers fame. That sounds great. It, what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? Why is, why is Mini-Me asking me to hang out? This is nuts. And I went, okay. And I... Sure enough, I, I took him up on his offer because, hey, he's he's invited me. So I went down to the booth and I proceeded to hang out with Mini-Me. And the cool part was, getting back to the costume, is that not only did he recognize the costume, he wanted a photo with me in the costume on his own personal phone, which is not uncommon in these days, but that was the first time that it happened for me. And I thought, wow, this is insane. Like, how is this moment happening right now? And I remember he's like, oh, I played all the Batman games. You know, Scarecrow's just uh, so great. And this costume is so, so wonderful, man. And I, what do you say, right? What do you say to that? Uh, thank thank you. I, gracias. Como uh, estas? Like, I don't, I didn't know what to say because that moment was just so intensely surreal for me. But we, we sh funny moment was I, I went to shake his hand and pose for the photo and things like that. And I said, well, what hand should I ha shake your hand with? Because one was free and one is, um, if you haven't seen the costume, it's going to sound a bit weird. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about. One of the hand is a syringe hand, which basically all my fingers um, are syringes. And inside the syringe is a fear toxin, which is Scarecrow's main weapon of use throughout the comic books. And he said, oh, it's got to be the, it's got to be a syringe hand. And I went, oh, okay. And I sort of nervously and jokingly said, ha, I hope I don't stab you. <laughs> to, to which he quickly replied, ha, 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 I'll sue you. <laughs> so, yeah, lovely man. Um, he invited me back. Uh, Supernova was usually a three-day weekend, Friday afternoons, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. This was on Saturday. He invited me back Sunday to hang out with him. I was in normal clothes. We chatted for a bit. And, yeah, just really pinch yourself kind of surreal moment to know that that moment had happened to know that somewhere in the grand scheme of things on his phone was a photo of me in that costume on the Gold Coast Australia. It's just nuts. And to know that I had been watching that guy's movies and to have that opportunity to, to just hang out with him and just have hang out with just a real person and just have that sort of one-on-one -on -one moment was kind of cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, Next question. Which three words describe you best? Creepy little bastard. <laughs> no, no, no. Jeez, um, three words, huh? Um, well, number one, my wrestling mantra. I, 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 although it's a gimmick and although it's a, although it's a, um, it's a catchphrase, maybe. Um, biggest little man. I've, I've always believed in that mantra even though I'm I won't be ever be the biggest person in the room that doesn't mean you can't have the biggest personality in the room which is the definition of biggest little man um so yeah probably I might take the cheat sheet and, and use that biggest little man yeah that's probably um really cool dude really cool friend <laughs> I don't know but yeah I'll, I'm gonna go with biggest little man I'm gonna play it safe and go that one 
What is your best future? Uh, what is your best feature? What is your best future? What is your <laughs> what is your best feature? Um, my left eyebrow. Okay, moving on. No. Um, I think the ability to make memories and make people laugh. Um, I, I really enjoy doing that. I, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, I really like my legs. I really like my teeth or, you know, my eyes or, you know, they'll name something physical. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything physically about me that, not, not that I hate myself. Let's get it clear. And let's not get the words twisted here. I don't deny myself and I don't, I'm not saying anything negatively about myself on a physical level. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I think my best feature that I enjoy and that I use to its fullest is making people laugh. And yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that one. And making memories along the way too. That's another one that I like to do. So yeah, I think that's a fun one. What is your greatest achievement? Um, damn. Well, let's, let's, let's take this in a two-party, yeah? Let, let's go for a two-prong, as they would say, a two-prong approach. Um, okay, so best achievement on a personal level? Um, oh, greatest achievement. Ah, that's really, that's actually very difficult. I thought I'd be able to answer that very quickly. Um, I don't know about achievement. Um, I think maybe from a life approach, I think the fact of, um, uh, being able to, being able to still be here, um, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty heartly achievement, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll probably pick that one. Uh, there are all the trials and tribulations and hurdles and things like that to still go here, to still be alive, to still have a drink with my friends and to still be out here doing this podcast and making the people laugh and sharing stories with all of you guys and having a fun time. That's mainly what it comes down to is having a fun time. Uh, yeah, I think that would be my greatest achievement is just, just being here, you know, just still being here with a smile on my face. I think that's, that's the main one. What is the best praise or advice you've received? Um, hmm. Best advice or praise I've received? I think the I think the, without question the the praise that that I get from family members when they come to shows and their their young younger audience kids daughters whatever whatever it may be to know that they had fun and to know that the family are happy to know that they had fun and it is due to what I have done during whatever live event I've been on that's something that you can never recreate that feeling of admiration and I guess to translate it even filter it down to this question, uh, that praise is just, it's, it's humbling and it's, it's unfathomable to, to think that, you know, after all these years to still have that connection with people and to still have that, that vibe and that drive to resonate with people, I think is, um, it's, a, it's, it's very unique. Um, I used to be very mad about it, to be honest. There was a, a period of time there where, I think I was still in the cusps of just working out what I wanted to be as a performer and I was annoyed that only the kids were reacting to me, were annoyed at the fact that I was only getting reaction from kids and that anyone over the age of 18 was just switching off. But, you know, it took some time and it took some translating and it took some getting used to, really, to understand that you know, I'm pigeonholed in a very unique position. Um, so yeah, I think that was some, some great praise. Um, I, th I think the story I told not so long ago about that elderly gentleman meeting, um, running into me in public and saying that his younger, um, I think 
grandson or relative at the time, I, I can't remember exactly, and I don't want to misquote, was, um, yeah, that was pretty surreal to, to know that that had an impact on their family much longer than a two-hour event is just insane. Um, so that was, uh, that was pretty gnarly. I, best advice I've ever been, ever been given? Um, probably from, yeah, I think just earning people's trust is, is always been a major one. Um, but the best advice I've ever been given and best praise, sometimes from, from a lot of my trainers when I was first starting out, um, the praise that they'd give me when I'd go out there and do impersonations, I think that was pretty like, whew, that was a, you know, that was a good energy rush. Um, that felt pretty chuffed when, you know, the people that were training me were like, yeah, that was effort awesome. That was pretty cool. Um, I think the best advice I've ever been given is just, um, expect nothing, gain everything. And which is basically you go into every scenario and you just don't expect anything. And then whatever happens, happens good, bad, ugly, happy, sad, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And the other one would be, um, head down, head strong, keep smiling, face your demons and don't ever, um, what was it? Head down, head strong, face your demons, keep smiling and don't ever let anyone live your life for you. I think that was probably the most profound advice I've been given, um, which is a lot to be told at once. But yeah, once you start applying it, it really reigns true to me. And that's, I like to try and live that on a daily basis. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the best ones. Next question. Would you like to be taller or heavier? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, I don't know, uh, probably heavier, I guess, because I think if I was any taller, I'd, I think it'd be weird. I think, I think it actually would be weird if I was taller. Um, there'd probably be a lot of people out there in maybe general society that would go, okay, that's more accepted. Um, but I think the the friends and family that I've got would probably be weirded out if one day I rocked up and I was suddenly six foot tall. I think that'd be a bit strange. Um, so yeah, probably not do that one. So yeah, I'm going to go heavier, heavier. Now you guys have been real clever with this next lot of questions. Um, for those that have been tuning in, thank you. And, um, I really do appreciate that, but you guys have written in and said, Hey, I noticed that you guys, um, I noticed that you, rather, hey, I noticed that you do the James Lipton questions at the end of your podcast with all your guests. How about you answer them? Well, call me having some of my own medicine. All right, let's do this. I'm going to answer the famous Lipton 6 that I do on my podcast. So here we go. What is my favorite word? Hmm. Uh, consequences. Yeah, I don't know why. I just like that word, consequences. Just like the word, I just like saying it. I think that's my favorite word. What turns you on? Um, people's smiles, um, people's passions for their own field of work or their own field of excitement. You know, if you're into cosplaying, if you're into comics, if you're into music, people that are passionate about stuff I like and uh, yeah, uh, and people that make me laugh. I think that's, uh, that's always fun. What sound or noise do you love? Um, laughter. I enjoy people laugh, laughing. Um, sound or noise. Yeah, probably people, people laughing, people having a good time. And, uh, yeah, the sound of people cheering, you know, when, when they're in a, an environment or in a, in a, in an element that makes them happy, 
and something has either shocked or surprised them or, you know, like a, a, a surprise moment, like a guest star coming out on stage or a trailer is revealed or, um, yes, so, or a, a hero has come back in a movie and people go, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love people cheering out of excitement. So, yeah, laughter and people cheering, I think, would be the two noises I like. What is your favorite curse word? Penis. Um, <laughs> uh, what is my favorite curse word? I don't know if it's favorite. Like, a lot of people have said the F word. A lot of people said fuck. You know, people have... Fuck! People have always used that on here. Um... I think it's my favorite one that always makes me laugh, though, is from Ghostbusters, weirdly enough. My favorite curse word from Ghostbusters was Bill Murray, where he says, Mother puss bucket. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I never really use it, but it's just my favorite. Every time I hear it, I just laugh. But uh, yeah, it's probably my favorite. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. I'd really like to be good at painting. Or be an artist. I think that would be such an awesome skill to have, to just be able to generate and just to look at like a scenery or a photo of a building or a person and just be able to recreate that on a canvas using your hands, you know, and just some colors and a brush. Like, it's just nuts that people can do that to, to such, such immense detail is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, I'd really love to be an artist. I think that would be really, really cool. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, I would like a fist bump and to be told, good job. Yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. All right, let's get back to these other Q&As. There you go, I did the Lipton 6. You guys wanted it? There you go. All right, let's get back to those other Q&As. Are you likely, are you more likely, I should say, are you more likely to avoid conflict or engage it head on? Man, I'll engage it head on. Sometimes people need to be put in line. Sometimes you have to have those conversations. You have to cause a bit of conflict, ruffle those feathers. Most of the time it's for the good. Sometimes it's for the bad. But no, I'm not afraid to go and talk to people if, if someone needs to be spoken to or there needs to be a conversation that isn't exactly going to be favorable. Or sometimes you need to break the ice. Sometimes you need to break that ice and take that uh, first step, make the first move, as they say. So, yeah, no, I've never been afraid of uh, having those kind of conversations. At what age did you go on your first date? <laughs> Man. Um, well, probably 13, but it was with a group of people to the movies, but me and this girl liked each other, like, so technically that one, would that count as technically the first? If it's one-on-one, -on -one, then probably 15 then, yeah, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, two people going on a date, then probably 15, but, uh, yeah, if you mean, like, technically, then, yeah, 13. Do you have any tattoos? If so, what do they mean? Yes, I have two. One is a Latin phrase, that was used most famously in the Tom Jane 2003 version movie called The Punisher. And fun story about that, I had always been paranoid about getting written tattoos because I'd always seen those images and always heard those horror stories of people getting tattoos, people getting writing and having a letter screw up and not having it go the way that you want to and yep, it's permanent, it's permanent ink. So, yeah, I got this tattoo in 2010, and I was really, really excited about it. It took ages. <laughs> it was so painful. Because I'm a skinny dude. You got to understand, I'm a skinny dude. And the phrase is, Sivus Pacum Parabellum, in Latin, it means, if you want peace, prepare for war. And the comma between the two um, statements was right, right on my spine. And my whole, my whole body vibrated when I got that, um, when I got that tattoo. So yeah, that was, I've never stared so intently at floor tiles in my life after getting that tattoo. That was insane. But horror story. So I get the tattoo. I'm all excited about it. 
I head down to training. My good friend Ash, um, my trainer, says to me, so I saw a photo of you getting a tattoo. I said, yep. He says, show me a tattoo. And uh, it's, just, it's just above my shoulder, so I cross my shoulders there and pull, pull down my shirt a bit and he reads it. He says, yeah, it's a funny story about this. Mm, yeah, that says Param. What? No, it doesn't say Param. Tell you what, mate, I'm looking at it right now. That definitely says Param. P-A-R-E-M, Param. Right now, your tattoo, as I look at it right here, says, if you want parent, prepare for war. <laughs> no, my horror story. Damn it. No, I didn't want this to be true. I didn't want this to be a thing. But hey, here we are, middle of training, my first ever tattoo. And I got, if you want to be a parent, prepare for war. Awesome. True words could have never been written, but not the one I was going for. Luckily, it was an R. It was done in a way that we could just add the top part of the R to the bottom part of the R and sort of slightly change it to, to make it look like a C. But hey, if Ash hadn't called me out on that, if Ash hadn't said, hey, you know, your tattoo is a bit of a bit of a typo here, I'd still be walking around today telling everyone that, yep, if you're going to be a parent, prepare for war. So I really appreciate that, Ash. <laughs> if he ever hears this episode, thanks, buddy. You quite literally saved my skin. And my second tattoo is the Happy Sad Drama Masks, a.k.a. the Theatre of Pain Motley Crue album cover that I got with one of my really good friends, Tony Storm. She came and visited a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, we got the same tattoo at the same time. She got it done on her forearm. I got it done just above my previous tattoo, and we got the makeup line under one of the eyes. Um, so we... I uh, do I do both eyes. She does one eye when she performs. And um, yeah, we decided to get the same tattoo, both being a fan of Motley Crue and just a signal of our friendship. So yeah, got those two tattoos. Uh, how difficult is it for you to be honest, even when your words may be hurtful or unpopular? Um, look, ironically, to be honest, not very. Um, I always believe that it's better to be honest than to, I guess, prolong honesty. Sometimes you just have to be straight up with people. And, you know, it's it's funny too because there there is that mantra out there of people that would say, I just want people to be honest. I just want people to be upfront and honest with me. I don't want lies. I don't want cheaters. I just want everyone to be just straight up. Problem being is sometimes when you're straight up with those people, they don't like it. So it's a little from column A and a little from column B. They want what you they want what you they think they want. You give them what they want and they don't like it. So yeah, I I prefer to be honest. I prefer to be honest 10 out of 10 every single time. And uh yeah, if there's a situation that's calling for it, if something has happened, if you know, situations occur that they come to me and say, "Hey, what happened?" I'll be straight up. Better to be honest. How difficult is it for you to forgive someone who refuses to apologize? Whew. Man, you guys are doing really well with these questions. These are these are hitting home. Um, that question I chose because that's actually very hard for me to do. Um, I know in myself, if I've done something wrong or if I've hurt people... Um, I'm very quick to accept my faults and apologize without question. I'm not the type to provide it up and say, no, that's on you. Blah. Like, no, if you, if I'm wrong and I fucked up, yeah, I'll hand on heart. I'll say, you know what? That was my bad. I completely messed up with that. I get it. I'm really sorry. I never used to be like that though. I used to be pretty arrogant, pretty angry. Uh, only as of a couple of years ago, I was pretty hot-headed, pretty stubborn, but time changes you and situations have forced you to adapt. So yeah, I, um, you know, I will, yeah, I will, um, I'll admit my faults. Uh, however, if, if someone is in the wrong and they haven't actually said the words, I'm sorry, or I apologize, but they sort of act like everything's okay. Like they, that's their way of apologizing. No, I have trouble with that. 
I have big trouble with that because that's it's not hard. It's not hard to just say, "Hey, man, yeah, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Let's shake hands. Let's hug it out. Let's deal with it. Let's move forward." You know. So yeah, if you if you're acting like you're sorry but you don't actually say it, I'm gonna feel like a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah, that's that's just me. But everyone's different. But hey, the question was asked. I asked it. Um, so that is my answer. How do you replenish your energy? I'm assuming you mean from do you well it's pretty open it just says how do you replenish your energy i'm gonna again i'm gonna two-prong this i'm gonna answer this from an entertaining standpoint i'm gonna answer also this from a personal standpoint from an entertaining standpoint um i have to distance myself from shows entirely um whether it be a couple months off sometimes you know if we're getting towards the end of the year and i'm starting to feel really burnt out creatively um, either from performing or doing the backstage roles or sometimes a hybrid of both. Um, yeah, I, I've, I'll usually try and, and keep that train rolling until the end of the year. Sometimes it's October, sometimes it's November. Hey, sometimes it's December, but yeah, if I'm getting to that stage where I'm feeling really sort of just burnt out and frustrated with it all, um, yeah, I have to just pull back from shows entirely, whether it means that I just, um, do managerial work, whether it means I just remove myself entirely from the product for one or two shows. Um, yeah, that's usually how I have to, that's usually step one. And step two is I just go off the grid. <clears throat> I just have to completely delete the social media apps, um, use the phone sparingly, go out and just do life. You know, I have to just recharge energy. I usually do a lot of writing. Um, nothing in terms of like plays or books or anything like that. I just do writing in the sense, you know, I just write everything down. Um, not so much feelings, but I just sort of have like a checklist of how I want to get better, what I want to do when I feel better, and then put that away and then allow myself to get better, open up that book when it's time and go, yeah, I still feel like doing this. I still feel like doing that. Definitely want to do this. Not so sure about that, but that's the process that I have from an entertaining standpoint. Um, and from a life standpoint, yeah, I think it comes down to very similar, I guess, to entertaining. I just have to delete the social media apps and just switch off and just go do life. If there's someone in my life um, that I'm dating or I'm with, um, I'll just immerse myself in what they're doing. I'll immerse myself in their creative uh, outlets if they have any uh, and I'll just naturally be always supportive of them but I'll just make sure that they're doing okay um, and I'll just make sure that I'm recharging and you know creating memories having that little recharge having that downtime having personal time and just allowing myself to just do life for a bit and then I'll get back to entertaining um, in the best way that I know how so yeah I just sort of switch off both both avenues similar answer Delete the social media apps, go and do live, have a break, and then come back when I'm feeling good and feeling like I want to be entertaining and surround people again. Because uh, it happens. But yeah, that's usually, uh, that's how I replenish my energy. All right, next question. If you could give your, your younger self any advice, what would it be? Um, don't hold back. Don't second guess yourself. People do like you. Not everyone will. But the people you surround yourself with generally do appreciate and like you. Um, not every relationship is success. Not every friendship is a failure. It's okay to get knocked down. And the best is yet to come. If you could eliminate one weakness or limitation in your life, what would it be? Fear of heights. <laughs> Straight away. I'd get rid of that. I, I like climbing. I like bridges, I like skyscrapers, I like penthouses. Piss, pisses me off that I get, I quite literally get weak in the knees. Not sick or anything like that, but I get weak in the knees when I'm on like a high balcony or something or a bridge. Man, if I could eliminate that, I'd be much, much happier. That would probably be one limitation I'd get rid of. Yeah, definitely that. Fear of heights, get that out of here. Next question. If you could eat lunch with one famous person... Who would it be? Uh, you know what? 
It doesn't say living or dead, so I'll just pick general one famous person. I'd go John Lennon. To have lunch and to just talk and surround myself with that man's energy and to be in his presence, to knowing all that he accomplished as an artist and an activist, what a lunch. You know, what an absolute lunch that would be. So yeah, definitely John Lennon because growing up, um, I had Sergeant Peppers and I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had Sergeant Peppers and I had the Lennon Legend album, which is a collection of, I think, his greatest hits at the time. And uh, yeah, John Lennon, you know, just to, from a creative point of view, from a life point of view, to understanding uh, his outlook and his view on the world. Uh, imagine, like, yeah, just imagine if, like, if he was here now, what he would be saying. Be crazy, crazy time. So yeah, I think having lunch with John Lennon would be insane. If you could restore one broken relationship, which would it be? Oh, broken relationship. Um. See, the default answer would be like, when you say relationships, it means dating, yeah? No, I don't think I'd fix those because they happened at the times that they were meant to happen. I We learnt from each other as much as we were mean, meant to learn and we experienced all that we experienced. I, th I think fixing those kinds of relationships, um, it's not something that can just be done. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, you can't really put yourself and trying to fix those because those are very unique. Um, broken relationships though. You know... I had a massive falling out before I moved to Queensland. I had a massive falling out with a, there was a circle group of friends of mine that were really good to me around the twelve to thirteen year age bracket. Because I moved up to uh, moved up to Queensland in in, in when I was thirteen in two thousand three, and the group of friends I had in twelve and thirteen. I don't know, man, we, we just drifted apart. It, it just became, you know, people, tra people change, life happens. But yeah, if I, could, if I could get those people back and to just reconnect with them again, I think that would be, that would be very interesting to me to have that circle of friends now, some 18 years later and just sort of go, you know, what happens? Where are we? Where are we all now? What are they doing? Um, that would be kind of interesting. I don't know if it's broken, but uh, yeah, I think that would be interesting to sort of get back and see what what would have been. Here's a fun one. Uh, what are your nicknames and what do you prefer to be called? Well, I have a cavalcade of nicknames. I have Little James, which is my uh, default nickname that a lot of people call me. Uh, LJ for short, huh, ironically. Uh, Leo, which is kind of like my adopted middle name. It's it's not really like a legal middle name. Uh, the reason for it is my star son is Leo. Um, I've always liked lions. Um, one of the schools I went to was called St. Leo's. And uh, yeah, I've, I've just always been a fan of the name Leo. I think, uh, yeah, it was Charmed. There was a character in Charmed called Leo the White Lighter. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I've always liked Leo as my name. Sometimes people call me that too. Some people from back in the day, like the MySpace days from like 2005, 2008. Um, I think my screen name or my MSN name was Leo. Some people from back then still call me that, which is kind of cool. Um, Flashman is my other nickname. Um, Flash for short. Um, again, that's wrestling names. So a lot of wrestlers just call each other by worker names. So worker name would be a character name. AKA Flash. Uh, a lot of people call me that. Call me that too. Um, some people refer to me as Flash, LJ, and Leo. Yeah, those would be the top three. What inspires you? Hmm. Um, what inspires me? 
seeing the excitement on people's faces. If I'm doing something creative and I'm, I'm, I'm working towards something that I know will shape and excite people, whether it be in a live event, whether it be hanging out with people, um, planning something or scheming something to excite people, to create moments, to create memories, to have those situations, those conversations that come up that go, man, remember when this happened? Remember that, 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 and this, and then that, and this? Yeah. Creating those moments, man. I, I live to have those moments with people because they be because those moments become stories and those stories become a legacy. And when all is said and done, I really would like to leave a legacy with people. And so that inspires me. I'm, in, I'm inspired to be remembered. And ironically, I'm famous for making memories. So I think I'm on the right track. So yeah, I'm inspired to make people happy and make good memories. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what inspires me. And last but not least, what is something that amazes you? Architecture. Strange answer, I know, but man, some of these architects out there building the buildings, sculptures, uh, landmarks, coming up with concepts and designs for cars, washing machines, appliances, devices. Man, there are some really genius and creative people out there, fabulously creative people as well. And not just in the mainstream, you know, there's a site out there called Etsy, E-T-S-Y. Man, you want to talk about creative people? Spend 10 minutes on that website. If you can't find it on that site, I guarantee you it doesn't exist. Those people are some very, very talented creative people all the way from all around the world. That place has been an envious <laughs> trip for me I, I mentioned earlier how i'd love to be a painter man there's some people on there that are just creative with their hands i'm creative in the brain i'm more of a thinking evil genius not a hands-on evil genius man these guys on etsy hands-on evil geniuses for sure some of the best most wonderful creations i've ever seen in life and in art come from that site um some of the buildings like in abu dhabi um you know, they're building weird and wonderful skyscrapers and tall buildings with massive interiors and architectures and, you know, it's just insane. So I'm very, I'm always amazed by what architects come up with in the world because that's something that, uh, you know, it's lost. We, we don't have the Renaissance. Um, the Renaissance era was so iconic for its time, you know, such wonderful and strange artworks that are still to this day admired you know the, there isn't it's very rare in this day and age um to have artwork still be admired um you know there's stuff like Banksy I think that stuff is probably the most notorious artwork spoken about in the last five or six years but to know that those paintings from back in that era are still around and thriving today is just amazing so yeah i think uh i'll definitely have to go architects and maybe artists as well but yeah definitely art architects architects absolutely amaze me and if they don't amaze you then something's gone wrong <laughs> but yeah architects are definitely definitely the one to watch all right you guys there you go episode six in the books i want to take this time and thank you so much for voting for the story i hope it was engaging hope you liked it even more i gotta bring the love and bring the likes back to you thank you guys so much for sending in your questions i picked the best ones hopefully the answers sufficed hopefully they satisfied and maybe we can do this again down the road episode seven will be coming out next week finishing off the interview with Arachne Suicide, then episode eight, brand new interviewee. You don't want to miss it. Hit up the socials at LNBC Podcast, and I'll see you next week.